This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. Tomorrow is the fourth Sunday of Advent. We're quickly coming to an end of this Advent season when we will enter fully into the celebration of Christmas, but we're not there yet. Um, Around our house, we we don't listen to much Christmas music until Christmas, and then we kind of go full bore. Uh, A couple of years ago, I made the concession through uh, through much cajoling that, okay, well, let's listen to secular Christmas music and then Advent music, which is just, there's not a lot of it. Uh, and then when Christmas comes, that's when we'll put on all the Christmas carols. So we, uh, we've at least, we do things like it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas and all of the other, uh, the kind of traditional 1950s and later um, secular Christmas carols. And we just save those deep incarnational hymns for, uh, for the Christmas season. But right now... Uh, we are in the middle of the O Antiphons. Uh, started yesterday, goes the December seventeenth uh, through the twenty third. It's the Antiphons, uh, right before the Magnificat in Vespers every day, uh, and it's the the Antiphons that from which we derive the hymn, the Carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And this is just such a deeply important. Antiphon set. It's also a deeply important hymn. I know that a lot of places overdo it. Like you'll go to some masses, and um, every every mass response is sung to that tune of "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." And if that's your parish, I'm sorry. <laughs> if if that's your parish and you love it. Um, I'm sorry that I might have just offended you, but there is this sense of by the time that we actually get to the O Antiphons, we are so sick of that song and ready for it to go away. And there's there's such such beauty. There's something so beautiful about the O Antiphons um, because they are prophetically naming Christ. Right, all of the O Antiphons uh, pull from Scripture. They give a prophetic name of Christ. And they break out what that means, and then they add to that a petition. Now, I'm more familiar with the hymn than I am with the actual antiphons. And the antiphons themselves are richly beautiful. Um, So, for instance, you have, O wisdom, O holy word of God, you govern all creation with your strong yet tender care. Come and show your people the way to salvation. And of course, we know, uh, O come thou wisdom from on high, who orderest all things mightily. To us the path of knowledge show and cause us in her ways to go, right? Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Shall come to thee, Emmanuel. Uh, come to thee, O Israel. Uh, so there is, there is something very beautiful about the antiphons uh, that is distinct and perhaps deeper than we get in the song. And I, I want to sit here with these antiphons a bit today because uh, of a couple of things. One, just the whole concept of Emmanuel. Uh, I don't know that we we grasp it enough. I, I'll say it this way. I know that as deep as I go, I can't find the end of it. There is more to this mystery of Christ's manifest presence with us that I simply cannot fully 
wrap my head around, and yet my heart so deeply desires it. Christmas to me is not the presents or the tree or um, any of the traditions or the trimmings that we put around it as a culture. Uh, To me, Christmas, the older I get, the more deeply I come to long for, resonate, desire, rejoice in the fact that the God of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal word of God, took on human nature, put on human flesh, redeemed that nature so that he could reunite it to himself and elevate us, making us sharers in the divine nature. He took on our nature so that we could share in his nature. There is something so deeply mysterious about this. I know that I will never understand it, and yet I long for it. Uh, I talk about this on the show often, um, just in shorthand, as I look to that moment with St. Thomas Aquinas, where at the end of his life, after he has written these these amazingly complex and deeply profound hymns to the Eucharist. And he says at the end of his life, everything I've written is straw from what I've just experienced of the presence of God. No matter how deeply we understand God's presence with us and for us, we will never reach the end of it. So here, here we are approaching Christmas God comes to us as a baby and vulnerability. He comes to us in poverty. He comes to us right where we are with all of our weaknesses. And he comes in a way that he has planned to do from the beginning of time. He comes to rescue us. And then he gives us that same mission. To the world, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We have this right as He ascends into heaven, uh, and and so we are made now sharers in that mission. We become uh, co-operators in that mission. And even more than that, this incarnation that we long for and we wait for and we're about to celebrate, we're made sharers in that too with a language that Paul uses as he speaks of Christ being the head of the body. The head, of course, is that which has the will, which does all the thinking, which has the brain, which tells the body where to go. And yet, he being the head, we still have a role in that. We are the body of Christ together with the whole church. And so now we share in that incarnational mission in a very particular way. Uh, and there's this, this, um, this thing held in tension because at the one time we recognize and we acknowledge and we um, proclaim that which Christ told us, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't get prideful in, in our partnership here and say, well, I'm just going to go off and I'm going to do the things and I'm going to bring justice to the world. Yeah, that, that's not how this works, right? Christ is the head and we are the body. And so there is this, this need for us to be listening, to be in submission to the head, and to be 
in union with the body in order to then go out and carry out this incarnational mission. But we still have a, a role to play, every one of us. Um, I was raised in, in a kind of Christianity that was very much interiorly focused. It was focused on um, my job is to live a holy life myself for myself so that I can get to heaven. And uh, as I have lived out these last, what, 10 years now of Catholicism, uh, the more deeply I become convinced and convicted that my job is to be one in union with the church for the sake of the world, to live that holiness not for myself but to the world so that we can all get to heaven. It's not for my salvation. It's for our corporate salvation that we are members of one another. We belong to one another and we share responsibility for one another. This is something that um, that's a mystery and it's too deep for me to understand. And yet still I spout off about it on air. So you'll have to forgive me for that. Um, but, but I'm sitting here with this tension between apart from me, you can do nothing, right? Which is true. And then also at the, um, at the ascension, when Christ ascended into heaven, he said, uh, or, or shortly before rather, he said, I go to the father and because I go to the father and will send the spirit, uh, greater things will you do than the things that you've seen me do. This is a, a paraphrase, but it's pretty close. Um, all of these miracles that you've seen me do, because I go to the Father and will send the Holy Spirit, greater things will you do. And so there is this, this um, tension between, apart from me, you can do nothing, and greater things than I have done will you do. Now, of course, that's dependent upon us being united to Christ and united to his body, the church. But I think that we sometimes go to one end or the other. Either we think, look at me and all of the great things I'm doing for the kingdom of God, or we say, oh, you know what? I, I'm helpless. I can't do anything at all. I, I'm just going to keep my head down and, and try to be as good as I can. And I think that there is a, a place in the middle for us to live out in acknowledgement of our own weakness an acknowledgement of our, our, in some ways, our insignificance and our frailty, and yet be keenly aware of his significance, of God's power, and just allow ourselves to be the, the carriers of that. Paul alludes to this a little bit in 2 Corinthians as he uh, is talking about the visions that God's given him and the struggles that he faces um, and the difficult difficulties that he faces in his life. And he's asking God for some relief from these difficulties. And God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Paul then goes on and says, I will rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses in order that the power of Christ may dwell with me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so this is that, this 
tension and this almost a dichotomy that we have to hold on to is that, yes, we're not able to do much. And yet at the same time, we are called through Christ to do so much. And so what does that look like as we're here approaching Christmas? We talked last week with Deacon Charles Beard just a little bit about um, what it means for us to go out and participate in that mission by going into our wildernesses and preparing the way of the Lord, fully acknowledging that all of this is outside of the realm of our capacity. And yet, even so, we're called to it. And and as we rely on Christ to do these things, of course, we're given the direction and the strength and the capacity to, to carry that out, to carry his presence into those wilderness places. So we talked a little bit last week about what does it look like for us to prepare in the wilderness a, a highway for our God. Today, I want to talk a little bit about making Christ's presence manifest in the world today, to, to be incarnational in the way that we live for the sake of the world. So um, let's take a look at these O antiphons and how, one, Christ alone can fulfill them, but how, two, we might be able to take a cue from them uh, to live that out in the world incarnationally. So the first is, O wisdom, O holy word of God, you govern all creation with your strong yet tender care. Come and show your people the way to salvation. Now, this is probably the one that I am uh, most wrestling with these days because of the tendency of uh, of the online Christian. Now, perhaps you're not online, perhaps you don't have any social media, and the only place you hear this is on the radio. If that's the case, I'm going to open up a new world to you, and I'm going to ask for you to pray, uh, because there is this sense in this, uh, this online world and capacity uh, to ignore the fact that the person that you are speaking to is actually another human being. We see the other person as just an argument. Uh, they, they say something that is wrong on the internet, and we have to go and fix it. And so it becomes a, a very sharp place to have a discussion. Now, uh, we see the, the corporal, the, the, rather the spiritual works of uh, mercy. One of those spiritual works of mercy is to admonish the sinner. And one of those spiritual works of mercy is to instruct the ignorant. And I'm convinced that a whole host of people online who, um, who would call themselves Catholic and, and I would agree that they are a Catholic. They have received the sacraments. They're going to Mass. They are living the life of a Catholic. They, um, they see these as maybe their primary charism. And something is missing. And that something we see here in this first antiphon. O wisdom, O holy word of God, you govern all creation with your strong yet tender care. Come and show your people the way to salvation. We so often think that the way that we show someone the way to salvation is simply by um, pointing out where they have fallen short and saying, well, you need to straighten up. And this isn't the way that Christ did it. As we look at the incarnation, God, the, the omnipotent, God, the 
the omnipresent, God, the ruler of the universe, who spoke and worlds were formed, who said, let there be light and there was light, the God who by his very word can make things reality. He came not in, uh, in strength, but he came in weakness. He came in frailty and in tenderness and in the most uh, fragile way possible, the, the most non-threatening way possible, he came as an infant. And he entered into the reality of those he was trying to save. And this is the example that we have been given uh, of, of incarnational living. And I think too often we forget that Christ entered into our darkness, Christ entered into our weakness in order to reintroduce us to himself. And he came in tenderness for everyone. And the people that you see him being harsh to most often in Scripture were those who were the religious leaders who were acting in a way that was contrary to that tenderness. So how do we live out that incarnation today? Uh, the, the more I'm around, the more I read the lives of the saints, the more I interact with people, the more I am absolutely convinced that humility is the preeminent virtue. More than being right, more than being orthodox, more than having uh, all wisdom, being humble humbly acknowledging God's leadership, God's rule and reign. This comes back again to, to Scripture, 1 Corinthians. We say, we see, um, if I speak in the tongue of men and angels, if I have all wisdom, if I offer my body to be burned, if I do all of these external and outward acts, but I have not love, then I am nothing. Clanging cymbal, sounding gong. Now, the good news that I would say as we approach this Christmas is that God is in the business of repair, of restoration, of healing. And so, not only is he in that business for the person who is experiencing wilderness, for the person who is experiencing isolation and loneliness and desperation and deep longing for salvation— He's also in the business of restoration and repair of clanging cymbals and noisy gongs, right? He's in the business of coming into our reality and our weakness, wherever that weakness happens to be, and bringing his presence. This is that promise he made over and over throughout Scripture. You will be my people, and I will be your God, and I will dwell among you. This is the story of the incarnation that God so longed for us that he left the majesty behind, and he put on human nature, and he wrapped himself in our frailty so as to redeem us. And if that's not only our experience of Christ, but also our pattern for the incarnation. 
does that change the way now that we look at our cooperation with that incarnational mission in the world today? If that's the picture that we have, how do we begin to look with compassion on those who are in sin? This is the thing. We so often, we want to jump straight into that fix-it mode. Let me help you see the error of your ways so that you can then come and live rightly. But this is not how Christ did it. Christ did it by said, how can I enter into your darkness and love you tenderly so as to draw you? Now, as Christ entered into that darkness, he never partook of the sin, right? He was like us and always except sin, Scripture tells us. But he went and he ate with sinners and tax collectors, the ones that the rest of the world had kind of pushed away to the side. He he went places uh, into whole regions, into territories that that were off limits, right? He entered into Samaria, walked right through the middle of it, walked straight up to the woman at the well and asked for water. So he, I mean, th- th- this is a whole story. There's a lot going on here, but safe to say, he went places that you in polite society would not go if you wanted to appear righteous and holy. And he went to those places specifically to draw all back to himself. So this is what I'm wrestling with this Advent. What does it look like for me and for you to go into the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord? What does it look like for us to be incarnational, to live out that mission in such a way that we don't compromise our, our own self but that we shine the light of Christ in places where he is not seen. And I don't have the answer for that. And I don't know that, that there is an answer for that. I think that there is many answers as we live out our life listening to the Holy Spirit. It could be that the answer today is to smile instead of scowl at that one moment that you are perturbed at someone. Uh, this is, of course... Uh, this famous story of St. Therese of Lisieux, um, she has it in her, in her journal uh, that there was a specific sister who clacked her rosary on the front of the pew and it drove her mad. And so what she did was she smiled and was extra pleasant to that sister. Maybe that's it for the day. That's Maybe that's the little way that we serve Christ today is that we express tenderness when that is the furthest thing from our mind. Um, I, I don't think that in any way any of these, uh, these cooperations with Christ are going to be something that just appears to be massive, right? I think that it is in that place of humility and of submitting ourselves to the will of Christ in little ways that Christ is then able to do big things. So um, I don't have the answer. Uh, it's something that I am I'm contemplating this Advent season, and I want to invite you to contemplate it with me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, uh, or on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls, and I would love to talk to you. What Maybe you have an experience 
um, where this either went very right or very wrong. Uh, a time where you listened to the Holy Spirit and you were able to, to live out that tenderness and you saw the fruit of, of repentance in that person. The scripture, of course, says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. So maybe you watched that play out. I would love to hear your story for a couple of reasons. One, um, because I'm very interested to see how you have experienced it. But two, when we tell the story of our own encounter with the presence of God or with our uh, helping others to encounter the presence of God, when we share that story, it builds faith in us and in those who share that story with us, who read it, who hear it. And so I would love to know if you have a specific story that you'd be willing to share of that kind of small cooperation that you didn't maybe expect to do all that much and share then the outcome. What was it that Christ did through your cooperation with him in that commission, in that mission of incarnation in the world today? So again, you can share that at facebook.com slash step outside the walls or on Twitter um, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Now, I'm sure that you have noticed probably by now uh, that we don't have a, a guest this week on the show. One of the kids picked up a bug earlier this week and passed it around from person to person, uh, even to mom. And so I've been uh, running around taking care of, of the family and didn't have time to get someone to join me on air today. And I contemplated really pretty, pretty seriously contemplated going back into the archives, finding an, an episode that we've done before, a conversation we've had, and sharing that today. Uh, but here's the thing. We've been doing this now for seven years, and here to date, I have not yet ever missed a week of a new episode. Now, there have been some weeks where we've had uh, a hiccup with technology and one station or another might have played a rerun, but there's always been a new episode up and ready to go. So if you have heard a show more than once, then you missed one. And I want to invite you to come over to OutsideTheWalls.com, uh, look through the archives, and maybe find one that you have not yet seen. Maybe you missed one. Uh, maybe you just want to go back and listen to some of the the uh, the late great ones from Advents Gone By. We had uh, Joe Heschmeyer a couple of years ago do Advent in the Eschaton, which remains one of my favorite ones. We had him uh, on before that talking about the Immaculate Conception, which is another one of my favorites. Uh, we've had Advent practices and all kinds of of other fantastic conversations around the Advent season. You can find those, again, by going to OutsideTheWalls.com and just scrolling through all of the episodes. Or if you know a person specifically, you can click on the top left hand of the page. It'll open up a sidebar. Then you just scroll down to their name and find all of the episodes that they have been a part of uh, over the years. So you can find all of those archives again by going to OutsideTheWalls.com. And don't forget to come to social media, share your experience with us, be a part of the ongoing conversation, Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls. On Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls. Uh, there's much more to come right after this, even though we don't have a guest today. We're going to be talking about the O Antiphons and reading from Scripture and Church History. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Putnam, and we are here just about to the fourth week of Advent, and this year we do have a full, almost a full fourth week. Um, so this is the second longest that we can have in in Advent, um, because Christmas is on a Saturday. The only thing that we could do longer is to have Christmas on a Sunday, uh, because you can't have the fourth Sunday of Advent and Christmas on the same day. Um, but this is so we've got almost a full week of Advent left to go. Uh, we're living out the dream as we're as we are experiencing the O antiphons, and uh, the question that I have been asking myself and taking to prayer is, what does it look like for me as as a um, as a missionary disciple, as a cooperator with God in the in the incarnational mission, what does it look like for me uh, to to live out Advent as we wait for the coming of Christ? Uh, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux has a homily that's read at the beginning of Advent, first first week, um, in the breviary, where he talks about Christ comes to us not twice, not once, but three times. He comes to us in the baby at the incarnation. He comes to us as the reigning king at the end of all time, but then he also comes to us in our individual situations where we are today. He comes to meet us. So what does it look like for you and I as the body of Christ, as the, this might be taking a little bit too far, but it it feels, I think, correct, Um, as the current incarnation of Christ, we, his body here in the world, he, the head of that body, sitting at the right hand of the Father. What does it look like for us to live out that incarnational mission right here to the people in our midst, to make Christ present, to make God present to humanity in this day and age? And there are a number of ways to do that. Honestly, there are as many ways to do that as there are encounters that we have. Because I think that in each and every encounter we have, whether it be uh, through a, a deep and meaningful conversation with a friend, or whether it be through the way that we treat the person who is our waiter or waitress or checkout person at the, uh, the grocery store, each of those encounters, um, we have an opportunity to bring Christ into the midst of that. And not necessarily by being overtly uh, Christian, right? Not not necessarily by being preachy or by uh, pie in the sky using religious language, but simply to say in each interaction, in each moment, Dear Jesus, Holy Spirit, how do you want to be made known to this person here? Maybe it's, again, like we said earlier with St. Therese, maybe it's just through kindness and through a smile. Maybe it's through a small encouraging word, uh, knowing that this is sometimes all that's needed. Maybe we'll have the opportunity to do more. Maybe we'll be that one encounter uh, that, that we are asked to do more in that situation by the Holy Spirit. But a lot of the times it's just to exhibit the kindness of God. I think sometimes we think that we have to be explicit with our message. And sometimes God wants the nuance. Sometimes he just wants them to know that they are loved and valued as a person. 
And that would be enough for that encounter. You know, we don't have to put a whole lot into it. Going back to that whole dichotomy of apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet at the same time, greater things than these will you also do. And so I think that the big portion of us living out our incarnational life of being a missionary disciple, of being cooperators with Christ in his mission, is simply to be ready and willing and aware that every encounter we have, God wants to be incarnational in that meeting to that person. And we are the the mechanism, the available vessel that he has to do that in that moment. And so this is going to require a lot of intentionality from us and a lot of humility. And sometimes it's going to mean uh, swallowing our, our pride or our anger and saying, okay, this is how I personally feel in this moment. But, but God, how do you want to be made manifest to this person in this moment? And this is where we get to see that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Sometimes our being the incarnation of God means dying to ourselves. <laughs> there's, there's a thought. Uh, it's not like we weren't warned, right? If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. This is part and parcel of what it means for you and for me to be missionary disciples, following after Christ, making him manifest in the world, is to put his will before ours. In fact, we see that in our reading uh, uh, from Scripture today as we hear the story of the Annunciation. Mary hears the words of the angel. She hears the, the invitation from God, and she says, Let it be done to me according to thy word. And through that sacrifice of her own will, of her own autonomy, of her own self, she makes Christ manifest to the rest of us. She is that first apostle, that first uh, picture for us of what it looks like to live a life of sacrifice for others. And this is way easier said than done, right? It's very easy to sit here after after contemplating and saying, well, all you got to do, I mean, really, if you're really thinking about it, all you have to really do is just Always be mindful of the fact that you're a disciple and never be put out by the fact that God's asking you to be kind and not just nice, but to be kind and generous and, and a, a, a reflection of his never-ending, everlasting love to everyone around you. And love not in a kind of a happy-go-lucky, make-everyone-happy-all-the-time kind of a way, but a deeply sacrificial love to will the good of the other person. And this good isn't merely the thing that makes them uh, pleased, but it's that which is their highest eternal good, always seeking the, the, the highest good for another person. It's not always the thing that's going to make them immediately happy. In fact, sometimes it might make someone quite upset. And yet at the same time, to live this life that's always seeking the good is, and, and doing so in tenderness is the way that we cooperate with that incarnational mission. I, I think a little bit of uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe as we're talking about this kind of 
self-sacrificial life, that he offered up himself for another person. And that didn't just happen one day. It didn't just happen that he's like, oh, I'm going to do this, this exceptional act of, of love to this other person so that they will come to see Christ in their midst. No, he got to that place where he could make that grand of an act to give his life for another person by living out little incarnational acts every day for his life. You don't just one day wake up and say, I'm going to do some grand gesture that, um, that denies myself for the sake of another. You, you get there by living a life every day of little incarnations. What can I do today in a small way to make Christ present to those people that I come into contact with? So let's go back now and look again at a couple more of these O antiphons, because these are the ways that uh, the prophets proclaimed that Christ would come to his people, uh, that Christ would be made present to them. Uh, So let's look at it from that aspect and say, how can I be a a participant, uh, a cooperator in that same incarnational ministry? The first one I I want to look at is from December 21st. O radiant dawn, splendor of eternal light, son of justice, come shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. Uh, in, the, um, in the hymn, in the carol, that's the one that goes, uh, O come thou day spring, come and cheer, our spirits by thine advent here. Dispel the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. So what would that look like for you and for me in our present age, how can we dispel the gloomy clouds of night? How can we shine forth, right? Oh, come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Um, I look at this and I see the, the immense surge of, uh, of mental distress that people experience in our world today. Uh, the, the rush of, of mental health issues that we see all around us, largely from people being disconnected with one another. Uh, now that's an oversimplification because sometimes that experiences through, um, through abuse or through neglect or through uh, any number of other ways that a person might feel ostracized or cast aside. There is no one-size-fits-all solution to this. And so I don't want to in any way make it seem as though I'm saying that these are unimportant or easy fixes. And yet there is something that we can do, we who are not trained professionals, and that is to make Christ present in those places, uh, to, to let that person know that you are present, that you see them, that you, uh, that you care for them. You know, there's a couple of stories that have come across my news feed lately of, of a simple kind word being the difference between life and death for a person. And so what can we do to be mindful? Uh, and, and one of the things that I often hear in cases where a person is going through that kind of difficulty is we didn't know. We, nobody, nobody knew that they were going through that or we would have done something. I just want to, I want to encourage you, 
if you have the opportunity to speak life to someone, whether you know them well or not, take that opportunity. Because in doing so, you are inviting the light of Christ into the dark places, into the, the shadow of death. And that light sometimes just comes through, through tenderness, through a kind word, through something that might seem like a throwaway line to you. Specifically, as we're coming into the holiday season where um, all societal conventions say, oh, well, you know, this is the time for family. I mean, you just watch any, any Christmas movie and everyone sees this is the time that we're all meant to be together and cheer one another up. And there is just an epidemic of loneliness and isolation where people feel very much that they don't meet that, that picture and fear they never will. And we have an immense opportunity to bring the light of Christ into that darkness, into their, their fear, and to see them and to express kindness to them so that they know that they are not alone. Maybe you are the person who feels like you can never meet that. You, 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 you feel like the outcast. And I want to say to you, take courage and be at peace because the Lord your God is in your midst and he cares deeply for you and we care deeply for you. And if this is something that you struggle with yourself, I want to encourage you, send me a message on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls because the truth is, you are seen, you are cared for, and you have not been abandoned. I wanted to get to one more O antiphon, but I'm not going to have the time to do it because I want to get to our readings from Scripture and from church history today. So uh, what I'm going to do is I am going to post the the whole list of O antiphons over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls, and these are great antiphons to pray with. If you if you have the wherewithal and you want to pray through all of the um, the Vespers, including those antiphons, fantastic. But even if you just pray through these antiphons, asking that God would give you a deeper understanding of how he comes incarnationally to bring us salvation and freedom, and then also asking the Holy Spirit to help you see your part in helping bring salvation and freedom to those you come into contact with. This is the part of the show where I normally tell you who we've been talking to, but so far it's just me today. Uh, but if you want to go back and listen to anything that you may have missed or share the show with your friends on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, each and every week, there is an extra segment. This week, it will probably be a video segment there uh, for all of our patrons. If you want to be the recipient of those extra segments, go and look at our Patreon support community, uh, OutsideTheWalls.com. You click that Patreon link in the top right-hand corner of the page. It says Patreon-support-the-show. Uh, there you can see what our Patreon support community does. And the truth is they do amazing work as they help keep this show on the air. And in gratitude, we give them each and every week an extra segment. Sometimes it's an extra segment with the guest. Sometimes it's a video by myself. Sometimes my darling wife joins me in that conversation. And so I want to invite you to look over that and see if that might be something that you are interested in joining in this coming year. 
Now let's turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of our Verbum Library launching up. Verbum helps you read Scripture in light of church teaching, putting the magisterium at your fingertips, linking Scripture to uh, to the catechism and to the fathers and doctors of the church, to, to biblical commentaries, and so much more. You can learn more at Verbum.com. And now through the end of the year, Verbum has all of their libraries at 25% off. So uh, maybe you want to get it as a gift to someone else, or maybe now's the time you want to go ahead and get that library for yourself. You can learn more at Verbum.com. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, and this is the story of the Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel comes and announces to Mary, that first disciple, that Christ is going to be made present. And we hear this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be? since I have no relations with a man. And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke. And I have to tell you, here, here's, here's the thing. Here, as we're reading this, it just kind of jumps out at me. Um, Luke and Acts are both written by Luke. And here in Luke 1, we have this story of, of the Annunciation. In Acts 1, uh, we have the story of the, the Ascension, but where Christ promises the Holy Spirit and announces to the disciples uh, that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them as just as the angel Gabriel has said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And I just looked these words up in verbum, uh, and they both, they're, they're different words for come upon you because the, the subjects are different. Uh, the you is different, uh, but they both come from the same root word of erkomai. So here the Holy Spirit is coming upon Mary for the incarnation of God into the world to be made manifest to uh, 
to the world for the salvation of the world. And then as Christ ascends into heaven, he says that the Holy Spirit, he, he now makes an annunciation and says that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon the disciples and that now they are going to be the ones who make Christ manifest into the world. This is a new annunciation, the first from Gabriel, the second from Christ, but both have to do with what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon a disciple and imbues them with power. This, is, this isn't something I was planning on saying, but it's just kind of jumping out at me. Uh, and I'll need to do some further research to see whether or not that's a, a traditional reading of it. But it just strikes me here as I'm kind of wrestling with this question of what does it mean for us to be witnesses who have been recipients of the Spirit and of His power to make Christ present in our world? Even more so if this is the case, and I think that it is because the this is the same author using the same words in in just about almost the same order. Here even more so then, Mary stands as an example for us of how to respond to this annunciation of the Holy Spirit to say, okay, if I don't completely understand how this is going to be done, but I am the servant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And then just, you know, let the chips fall where they may, let the Holy Spirit guide where he will. We are willing participants and co-operators in that incarnational mission. And with that little nuance in mind, let's now move to our reading from church history, which comes from a homily in praise of the Virgin Mother by St. Bernard. You have heard, O Virgin, that you will conceive and bear a son. You have heard that it will not be by man, but by the Holy Spirit. The angel awaits an answer. It's time for him to return to God who sent him. We too are waiting, O Lady, for your word of compassion. The sentence of condemnation weighs heavily upon us. The price of our salvation is offered to you. We shall be set free at once if you consent. In the eternal word of God, we all came to be, and behold, we die. In your brief response, we are to be remade in order to be recalled to life. Tearful Adam, with his sorrowing family, begs this of you, O loving virgin, in their exile from paradise. Abraham begs it. David begs it. All the other holy patriarchs, your ancestors, ask it of you as they dwell in the country of the shadow of death. This is what the whole earth waits for. Prostrate at your feet. It is right in doing so, for on your word depends comfort for the wretched, ransom for the captive, freedom for the condemned. Indeed, salvation for all the sons of Adam, the whole of your race. Answer quickly, O virgin. Reply in haste to the angel, or rather, through the angel to the Lord. Answer with a word. Receive the word of God. Speak your own word. Conceive the divine word. Breathe a passing word. Embrace the eternal word. Why do you delay? Why are you afraid? Believe, give praise, and receive. Let humility be bold. Let modesty be confident. This is no time for virginal simplicity to forget prudence, 
In this matter alone, O prudent virgin, do not fear to be presumptuous. Though modest silence is pleasing, dutiful speech is now more necessary. Open your heart to faith, O blessed virgin, your lips to praise, your womb to the Creator. See, the desire of all nations is at your door, knocking to enter. If he should pass by because of your delay, in sorrow you would begin to seek him afresh, the one whom your soul loves. Arise, hasten, open. Arise in faith, hasten in devotion, open in praise and thanksgiving. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, she says. Be it done to me according to your word. That reading comes from a homily in praise of the Virgin Mary uh, by St. Bernard of Clairvaux. And I love the way that he frames this story as if we are standing just outside of the courtyard or just outside of the room where Mary is receiving the angel and hearing the Annunciation waiting with bated breath to see what what she's going to say, waiting with not only those who would come after us, but those who came before us, the ancestors and and King David and and uh, and Adam and Eve, as if somehow uh, by by some gift of the narrator, we uh, who came far after her and those who came far before her knew the outcome even in that moment, even in that, that scenario where the angel appeared to Mary. And while there's certainly some artistic license here, it's a really wonderful exercise to to put ourselves in that place and to think of what she may have thought and to then also flip the script and remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit comes to us as well. We also receive an annunciation that God wants to break into the world through us. And so to think of all of the people that depended on Mary's yes in a very particular way, in a way that you and I can't ever replicate, but to do so, to to look at that and then begin to ask the question, but what about my yes? Who were the people that I will never know that are waiting on my yes to the Holy Spirit so that they can experience freedom in a way that they otherwise wouldn't. Can we picture them lined up outside of our door as we're spending time in prayer and experiencing this annunciation, waiting outside our door and hoping against hope that we will say yes to the Lord, that we will agree, even in the face of personal loss, to accept the will of the Father and to go out to bring Christ manifestly into the world around us. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Anil Thomas and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link to learn more and perhaps join their number. We have a great Christmas Day episode lined up for you next week, so don't miss out. But until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.